Welcome to GP Bullhound's Tech Thoughts, a weekly overview of economic developments in international markets. Welcome to GP Bullhound's Tech Thoughts. Today is the 11th of November, and we are here with Inge Haydorn, Jenny Hardy, and Naila Salkovic for our weekly market update. Today, they will share their views on this week's results and discuss October numbers from Taiwan. Over to them. Thank you very much. It's Inge Haydorn here, Portfolio Manager at GP Bullhound. Hi there, it's Jenny Hardy, Portfolio Manager at GP Bullhound. Hi, and my name is Nela, and I work as an analyst here at GP Bullhound covering the gaming market. Yes, and let's start off with some market comments, and everybody's probably seen the movements this week. And it's all about inflation, and that's the key key. And um, on top of that, we also saw China reducing the COVID restrictions uh, this morning. So quite good news, although it's just one data point, but you saw the very, very strong recovery in, in tech. But more the world into- is normal again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's let's focus then on what we can add some value and and looking at the tech side and and the result season and and the, and the Japan sorry Taiwanese numbers uh, for October. Uh, so let's start with with the result season and and, and the good news this week. Uh, I don't know. If we should start off with the semiconductors and uh, the the foundries. Uh, reporting and uh, the October numbers from TSMC and UMC, you know. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I thought um, Global Foundries was striking, really, in its call and just in in the way um, that it's seeing still strength in demand. I mean, particularly around autos, which we've spoken a lot about. But what I thought was really interesting in that call was the way that they spoke about the long-term agreements that they have with their customers, um, the prepayments that are increasing. And so really, I think we're getting a, a sort of shifting risk dynamic within the semiconductor industry. I mean, it's it's quite extraordinary when, when you consider um, the sort of history of the sector. And for me, it's like amazing that they can increase the long-term agreements by over three billion and, and leaving it at total twenty-seven billion during three Q, when we have all these macro instability and, and and the bad news coming out. It's 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 a really an amazing number, and as you said, the balance of risk in the industry is definitely changing, which is very very interesting to see. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if, if, if it continues, it absolutely sort of changes the long-term returns, the cyclicality um, of some of, this, some of these businesses. So I think it's something that, that we'll continue to sort of think about and, um, yeah, really sort of could, um, could impact the semiconductor um, positioning quite significantly. And, and also then to, to finalize on, on the just on, on the factory side on the semiconductors that we saw both TSMC and UMC coming in with healthy numbers, leaving October roughly flat with September, which is quite good news given that uh, we have seen all the sounds and noises around macro weaknesses. So quite healthy numbers, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now we have uh, for TSMC. Um, 
yeah, if you look at, at, at what the balance of November and December that's needed to get to that kind of magic flat quarter on quarter that everyone's really hoping for, um, actually, it looks very, very achievable now. And you, we also had some of the Chinese guys coming out on, on the foundry side, like SMIC and Huang Wong, and, and both of them increasing CapEx a lot, having strong demand, and uh, which is quite, quite interesting. And given the fact that we have seen the U.S. government putting on restrictions on equipment vendors, the vendors really warning on, on Chinese demand, while SMIC lifted the guidance quite heavily by over $1.5 billion dollars and So the demand is still there, and, and it's, it's way off the 14 nanometer limits, I'd say. So this is almost 28, 40 and above the demand is. So it, it looks strong. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, quite extraordinary because I suppose in uh, this reporting period, we've really had all of the um, semi-cap equipment uh, names sort of reduce their expectations around China shipments. And then SMIC comes out uh, and, and you know, you look at what the spending that it's committed to this year and what that implies for Q4. Um, and it looks like they still will be ordering and, and receiving um, a lot of equipment. So I'm not quite sure where to, um, how to sort of square the circle there, whether um, some of the uh, US equipment makers have maybe been a bit premature with thinking China will be very weak or um, whether SMIC will be able to get the equipment that, that it's um, sort of guiding its capex to. Yeah, and it's also interesting that the utilization rates in the local Chinese market is are very, very high. So they also need the equipment. It's not just that they're ordering it to be safe in order for further tougher restrictions, I'd say. It, it's really ordering it because the demand is there, which is quite interesting. And before we go into really good news, let's mention Tokyo Electron, which uh, reduced mm-hmm. their guidance a little bit ahead of uh, their end of the year, which is uh, last March. Uh, due to the fact that demand for memory is weaker. And that's really no surprise. The memory side is definitely going to have a weak first half 2023. And that's uh, that's already, so say, been told a number of times by uh, the vendors Hynix and uh, Micron. So that's really no surprise for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, hey, the, uh, that's a good segue into um, ASML. Um who put out um, some uh, re- renewed guidance ahead of the Capital Markets Day, which is later today. Um, what, what do we make of that? I think it's very, very interesting. And it's bang down the line of our thinking is that the long-term demand is definitely, definitely here. Uh, so they're very optimistic for 2025 and 2030. They are mentioning some so say, macro weakness in the short run. But with that said... It's it's our so say the factories, the semiconductor guys going to cut the most important so say development going into the growth 2025 and 30 at this point in time due to macro weaknesses. As you know, we don't believe that, but and I don't think the semiconductor guys are going to do that in in a bigger magnitude because then you're gonna stand there without a product 2025 or 24 which is going to be very, very risky. So ASML is definitely in line with our view that the spending is going to c- 
continue to be very healthy, even in this macro downturn, and then really step up going into the end of the uh, of the time period, 25 to 30. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the sort of mid and long term guidance, I thought was very, very strong. Um, I think well ahead of, of where uh, consensus is. And yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting because I think we're seeing um, sort of in the details two things. So we're absolutely seeing it increase its demand expectations for its very, very high end um, tools, um, which is, I think, all about that sort of technology leadership battle between TSMC and Intel and Samsung. But then you also saw it um, significantly raise its expectations around um, the sort of lagging edge uh, tools, so the the deep UV um, tools, which I think goes back to that SMIC um, CapEx piece, which is we know that there is a structural shortage around some of these uh, lagging edge nodes. We know that around... Um, the auto sector in particular. And, you know, I think it's very clear that that shortage is is structural and, and really kind of needs to be built for. And I think that might be what um, SMIC is doing, and it might more broadly be what China decides to do, um, given it can't build the very, very leading edge capacity. It can still um fill a very strategic role in the global semiconductor market by filling some of this um sort of trailing edge uh, capacity um that we absolutely need and will ne- continue to need for a very long time which leads us a little bit into also as as you said that the, the leading edge is strong uh, with exclusion of 7 nanometer and and the trailing is very strong so what do we really see on 7 yes we can now start to see the first signs of mobile phone market stabilizing. So really not falling anymore. And, and month on month, even a small tick up at some of, of, of the vendors. And this is going to be really, really interesting to follow due to the fact that you first have Christmas. And then secondly, you have the Chinese New Year in, in end January, beginning of February. So this is a very, very important time of the year for the handset market. And if it, the fact is that that uh, inventories now looks better. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see also the fab utilizations in, in 7 nanometer going forward. Uh, or, and with that said, it doesn't look as good in, in the PC market. PC is still terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only only positive news we could find, I think, I'll find you uh, was that Austec said that they think they're gonna so say. Oh, be ready with a new better inventory by the end of the year. But our guess is really it's going to be a first half 23 story. It's it, it's a slower moving vehicle than than a mobile handset market, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's see. Still waiting for the COVID the COVID refresh cycle for sure. Yeah, and then we have. Now, after the very, very positive news for our core holding ASML and the semiconductor equipment, we have some bad news also coming. And let's start with Disney. Uh, and Disney numbers were disappointing across the board. Uh, and really, on the park side, they were hit by the, the, uh, the, the hurricane season and also some investing on the 
legacy network side, there's still so say, diminishing margins and diminishing sales due to the fact that they're moving over everything to Disney Plus, and that's hurting. And then you have weaker ARPA Disney Plus and oh, a lot of cost to implement it and the fact that they're spending a fortune on content on it. So Yeah, I mean, 30 billion cash content cost this year and next is, I mean, just an extraordinary number, uh, I think, yeah, in, 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 in any sense, however you draw it. But um, I think... You know, it speaks to the ongoing competition within the streaming market. You now have um, clearly Netflix, but also the the sort of broader big tech. You still have a lot of the kind of legacy cable operators who, not sure why, but did launch their own streaming businesses. So you just have this hugely competitive market bidding up content and I don't know. I think the the thesis for Disney would absolutely be that it has differentiated content. Um, from my perspective, the problem seems to be that there's some mission creep away from um, that differentiated content, and they do seem to be going after some of that more kind of commoditized piece. Um, and I'm not sure that that's really what we'd want them to do as shareholders. I fully agree, and it's, it's definitely... Uh, diluting, so to say, their own former strength, to say, or, and the former legacy uh, uh, library they have. Uh, so let's see if they can also say, scale it further. They, they are, so to say, promising us that the, the peak losses are behind us and the ad tier in the so to say, Q1 now, starting for Christmas, it's going to improve profitability going forward, but I think it's like a show-me story for the moment, which means that we decided to reduce our position quite a lot in, in Disney uh, after re- results. So for us, this is a little bit of a wait-and-see story. We like it, but they need now to prove uh, that they are on the right track. Yeah, I think the one... Uh... The one uh, sort of streaming business that uh, we're happy owning, and it's not, it's sort of because it's not really a streaming business at all, is Sony, because it is absolutely just benefiting from the content inflation and hasn't decided to go down the route of, um, of building its own streaming platform. And you do, you do start to question um, kind of the, the economics of, uh, obviously, the cost of building building a streaming platform, but then um, also the the sort of cost of not being able to sell your content at these very very high prices that are in the market right now. And then the last slightly negative news uh, is on the gaming side, and um, oh, I'll leave it to you to comment on that, Nela. Thanks, guys. Yes, so. Uh, if we just start with an over, overall update and the US NPD numbers for Q3, um, overall content spending during the quarter fell 7% year over year. Hardware spending rose 16% and accessory spending fell 12%. Also on the hardware side, PlayStation 5 led hardware in both units and dollars. Consumer spending in mobile games still fell 9%. And especially the mobile side is really reflecting the weakness we're seeing uh, everywhere. Mobile really seems to be much, much more sensitive to the macro and hurt by IDFA. 
So if we, for example, look at Take-Two that reported this week, the disappointing results were driven by a slowdown in their uh, mobile gaming unit. The weakness came particularly from in-app game purchasing, uh, while the ad demand was up year over year. It seems like the weakness was especially felt in poker and casino games, but the console side, I think, looked solid. The company revised their netbooking's guidance for the year due to the weakness in mobile demand. And Roblox sales for the quarter were already reported, but the level of losses were larger than expected. The company also indicated that their cost base will continue to grow, driven by investments and hiring. But October bookings were up uh, 5% month over month, which was below expectations. Um, Nayla, do you, do, do you think that this is, um, I mean, is gaming, uh, when, when, when will it come back? Do we have to wait for the macro to improve or, um, I mean, it, are there any signs of life in, in gaming? Um, I mean, I think for the short term, at least, it's going to be super, super title driven. And I've been discussing this before, but I mean, we come from a super dry kind of like, past quarters where we we've had no big releases so i think i mean eventually sooner now when new bigger releases are releasing uh, we're gonna see a bigger upswing um and i think call of duty it's it's just a good example here yeah Call of yeah, Duty. i mean those numbers were extraordinary yeah. yeah, it's massive. It's 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 uh, mind blowing. They can sell for eight hundred million dollars in three days. It's it's mind blowing. Exactly, crazy numbers. And if we just circle back to this week's reports, uh, lastly we have Nintendo who also reported, and the results were really in line with our expectations, driven by uh, better than expected demand for software. Uh, so here, Splatoon 3, for instance. But Switch units were actually 0.5 million lower than um, expected. They also lowered their annual forecast for Switch sales from 21 million to 19 million, as the company's really struggling with supply. And yes, our model indicated better volumes for Switch. But it seems like the sell-through data was almost flat year over year, while the sell-in, which is what Nintendo reports, was down 15% year over year. I would assume there are two possible reads here. So either the sellers of Switch are less optimistic on the future sales, or Nintendo has been unable to deliver supply, uh, which I really think is the reason here. But I also believe that that supply issues will be resolved. Uh, so therefore, I continue to be positive, positive towards the shares. Oh, yeah. No, we, we're definitely not changing it. So the, the changes we made in the portfolio this week really is that we, we reduced our position in Disney. And uh, gladly enough, we increased our position very early in the week in TSMC, uh, which we just think it's traded down too much. And the fact that we still see momentum for them, which were then recognized by their October number. And um, I think that concludes this week's podcast. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.